Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we are going to be reading, starting on page 125 of Four Crafts, or the Four Crafts of the Devil's Kingdom. We're going to be wrapping up our section on lawyer craft and going into the section entitled priest craft. But we'll be wrapping up lawyer craft with the section entitled God's Law. Part of the problem with lawyer craft is that their schools teach mostly legality, not true law and justice. The legal jurisprudence system is no longer based in the U.S. Constitution, in fact. There is usually about one school day spent in study on the Constitution. Neither are law students taught much, if anything, about the laws of God. Those practicing lawyer craft have become so entangled in case law and civil law that they have, they have forgotten the ecclesiastical study of the laws of God, which should be considered as the foundation for all law. Brigham Young was not that he opposed the study of law. Indeed, he wanted everyone to know and understand the law. He objected to the way it was used and abused. He once said, quote, We want from one to five thousand of our brethren to go and study law. And if I could get my own feelings answered, I would have law in our, our school books and have our youth study law at school, then lead their mind to study the decisions and counsels of the just and the wise, and not forever be studying how to get the advantage of their neighbor. This is Wisdom. Journal of Discourses, Volume 16, Page 9. And from the wisdom of Solomon we see that, quote, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of God, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, page 126. As a Christian nation... America should lead all others in the study and enforcement of God's laws. One can only imagine how it would be if, if the rulers of each nation today would uphold the same privilege as did King Josiah of the Old Testament. Quote, And King Josiah sent, and they gathered him unto him all of the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord 
And all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were with him. And the priests and the prophet and all of the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all of the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and with all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to, to, the, to the covenant. Section, or I'm sorry, Second Kings chapter 23 verses 1 through 3. I have to say a little bit here because I have a little bit of insight that is beyond uh, what is in our modern day scripture about King Josiah. And like, I don't want it to ruin what we're talking about here. But when King Josiah was the king of Judea, one of the servants of the high priest found a secret a secret area in the temple, whether it was like a secret box or something, anyway. But they found the scrolls of the, of the Torah of God, or the five books of Moses, what they called the Pentateuch in Greek, or the Torah. And they convened a council, and they released what they said that they found, but the problem was the school of the prophets with with the different um, prophets that were around at that time, they had copies of the Torah in Paleo-Hebrew and they could compare notes and see that King Josiah actually added many vain and foolish things to the law. And the 116 laws are... Uh, I can't remember. I think I'm getting some things mixed up. But the, the no, 613 laws that were in the Torah that King Josiah had were many more laws than what the school of the prophets had at that time. So the school of the prophets knew that King Josiah had added many vain and foolish laws to the Torah, to the 613 laws that we now have, and that the the Torah or the instructions of God, which were given to Moses, were much more simple than, when, than what King Josiah had. And the only reason I know that is because I have an unabridged version of the book of Lehi. Now, what Joseph Smith had was an abridged version, but that was in the 116 pages. And... Um, which is what we need today, uh, well, when the time is right. But I've been able to read the whole unabridged uh, account. Before Moroni and Mormon did the things that they did to abridge the work so that it could be put into the, the plates, that's what I have. So all of the books that we have in the Book of Mormon are abridged. The actual true record of Alma, which is the longest book in the Book of Mormon, is much, much more in-depth and much longer than what Moroni had a place to, to put in the, uh, the, the gold plates. The Book of, of Nephi and the Book of 
all of these books, they're abridged, right? Well, in the account that I have of the book of Lehi, it talks about how this, what King Josiah did, was more injurious to the Israelites than anything that they could have ever done, because they added many vain and foolish things to the law, which were not part of the original law of God, which was given to Moses. So a lot of people see King Josiah as a very righteous king, and uh, I take a different uh, look on that. I, I have a different understanding that he was actually one of the more wicked kings. And it wasn't long after his rule that the Israelites got very, very, very wicked, and they were uh, destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon that came in and destroyed the country and the true prophets of God were telling everyone to repent and turn back to God and to keep the true Sabbath um, to keep because I think they were worshiping on Wednesdays at that time instead of the true Sabbath which was Friday night to Saturday night which coincidentally um, I'm recording this on the true Sabbath morning of uh, Saturday morning. It's actually six in the morning. I've been up all night doing this. Um, but this is the true Sabbath of God. Uh, Sunday's the Lord's Day. And I'm not going to get into all of the uh, particulars about that. But, but um, King Josiah died at an early age when he went up against King Nebo of Egypt and King Nebo actually thrust his spear into the air, and King Josiah was wearing armor, uh, shoulder plates and a, a, a breastplate and a helmet and all of that. And the spear that killed King Josiah actually went in between the shoulder plate and the helmet and went through the top where the, um, I think it's called the coccyx, the shoulder bone, the, the collarbone. Anyway, it went down and it pierced his heart from from above through his neck. And um, I believe that the reason why God allowed that to happen was because of what King Josiah did in adding many things to the Torah and taking things away from the Torah that he should not have have done. And I think it's in Deuteronomy or Devarim chapter 23 that talks about not adding to or taking away. But he did that, and God's curse came upon him. But um, they were taken into captivity, and we do not have any of those records from before the Babylonian captivity in Paleo-Hebrew it was recorded when they were in captivity in Babylon, in the uh, Babylonian Hebrew. Um, and there was many things that were perverted and added to and taken away from before that point, which has perverted Judea from, from that time forth, even all the way up until today. And part of the restoration is understanding those things. But in order to understand those things, we have to be a Zion people. And the people are not there, and they are not ready to receive those things at that time. I'm very blessed that I have been able to receive those things, but it is not for the people at this time. 
But it is something that I think that people should understand about King Josiah. Anyway, but continuing, I don't want that to, like, taint too much. I think that Ogden was trying to make a good point with King Josiah. It's just that he wasn't as good as they say that he was. He did things that were not right in the eyes of the Lord. And he received his just punishment by King Nebo and losing his life at an early age for tampering with the true law of God, which was much more simple. And that King Josiah, or not King Josiah, King David in the Psalms, that's pure Torah. Jesus Christ, Christ taught pure Torah, but he couldn't even get the people to, to understand what he was trying to teach them to begin with. If he went into all of the what really happened and tried to to correct that at that time he would have been killed way before his ministry ended but anyway that's my tangents on that thought continuing on with the reading without the studies use and administration of law anarchy would exist on an entry level of our society on every level of our society we must have law but it should be good law and administered correctly and not for self-aggrandizement or personal wealth. Enforcing righteous laws should bring peace to a society, not fill it with contention and lawsuits. So the or people understand law, the better our society would be. I, I'm sorry, I think that's a typo. I think it should be so the more people understand law, the better our society would be. And every man should be his own lawyer if necessary. That the ideal cor- the ideal of course would be if everyone lived God's law, thus eliminating lawsuits, serious contentions, and prisons. Such a righteous society would per- parallel the city of Enoch and the people would be drawn to God in thought, word, and action. Page 127. We would do well to heed the warnings of a Japanese businessman who, businessman who spoke in Salt Lake City a few years ago and said that America is being eaten alive by all the lawsuits of people wanting to get rich. He warned that America should get back to inventing, constructing, and using their in, intuitive minds, which surpassed all other nations, instead of educating lawyers. He observed that there are more lawyers in Utah than the whole nation of Japan. Even China, with half of the world's population, has fewer lawyers than Utah. There never seems... Well... This is uh, Alma, chapter 10, verse 27. We never seem to learn our lesson from the experience of others. This nation is following the same course taken by the Nephites of old. The foundation of the destruction of this people is beginning to be laid by our unrighteous, the unrighteous of your lawyers and judges. Alma, chapter 10, verse 27. The Apostle Paul gave a solution to the problem when he said, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, is the love fulfilling of... Is the love... 
I'm sorry. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. When will the time come that we practice the fulfillment of the law? Perhaps only in that day, after the mighty destruction, will the words of Isaiah and Micah be fulfilled. When they saw many nations flowing to the mountain of the Lord, because out of Zion shall go go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3. See also Micah chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. In that day, lawyer craft as we know it will have uh, perished and God's law will be honored and obeyed. So that's the end of the section, uh, enti- section 2 entitled Lawyer Craft. Now we're going to be going into the section, which is section three, called Priestcraft. Where there is a priest of God, a minister who has power and authority from God to administer in the ordinances of the gospel and officiate in the priesthood of God, there is the kingdom of God. Joseph Smith, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 271. So this section called Priestcraft, we're going to be talking about priestcraft, usurped authority, ancient biblical priestcraft, Christ and the priestcrafters, their creeds were an abomination, the power of priestcraft, priesthood versus priestcraft, practices of priestcraft, wealth and money, a false god, Superstition, error, and ignorance, darkness of mind, prejudice and persecution from protesters of priestcraft. Section 3, Priestcraft. We're on page 129 for those of you who are following along. The first topic of interest is priestcraft, usurped authority. Priestcraft is defined as the unscrupulous use of a priestly office. Webster's New World Dictionary, 2nd College Edition, 1982, page 1128. Also, cunning or skill, especially as used with ignoble motives, guile, artifice. New International Dictionary, Volume 1, page 301. Of all people in all professions, the priest and the religionist should be the last to be guilty of such conduct. The Book of Mormon states priestcrafts are that men preach and set themselves up for a light unto the world. Second Nephi chapter 26 verse 29. The practice of priestcraft is not found only in some small out-of-the-way band of apostates, It is one of the largest professions in the world and it's become a multi-million dollar business. And that is the problem. Preaching religion has become a business, a holy craft in which preachers can make a lucrative livelihood. So I was talking to Kevin Kraut a couple of months ago about how deceptive some some people can be and how these people who... they speak smooth things to the to the congregations. They're the ones that are popular. But anyone like myself, 
who preaches the truth is going to not be popular and is going to be persecuted will have a, a small following um, will receive persecution and prosecution uh, more often than not because I'm a de- I personally I'm a threat to the devil's kingdom the devil wants you to be deceived in many things and when somebody like me a true prophet that brings forth truth and corrects the people through instruction comes forth then the devil's going to do everything he can do to try to help or try to make it so people won't listen to me so that I won't be able to get the message out there and it was like with that with Jeremiah like he spoke true things to the people and they all hated him for it and there were these these false prophets who proclaimed to be true prophets and they just wanted to uh, to tell the people all these great things but God wanted them to repent so my train of thought might be a little bit uh, off a little bit my three year old son it's 6.13am on Saturday morning as I'm recording this for next Friday uh, came up and he's laying next to me and listening to me read now so he got up a little bit earlier than I expected him to, but, but he just wanted to be next to his daddy. So, <laughs> so he's, laying, he's laying next to me as I'm sitting on the couch in my living room recording this. So let me see if I can get back to the train of thought that I was in before I got interrupted by my baby, my son, my three-year-old little boy. Um... Joseph Smith taught that when God raises up a true prophet, that the devil will raise up false prophets who are so very close to the truth that uh, that that even the elect of God may be deceived by these people. And sure enough, 2003 comes. Uh, God raises me up as a prophet, uh, not in front of the whole world there's a time of preparation in many years which he prepared me uh, and I talk about all these things in my radio program in the past and then finally in 2013 he calls me forth and tells me to be bold with my witness tells me who I am and why I was called and then in 2014 he tells me to begin to, to preach to the people using this uh, this method of social media spreading the word and in the same time period from 2003 to 2013 the devil raised up false prophets who are so very close to the truth so that when people begin to realize the deceptions in the mainstream church that they, they realize and they begin to go forth from it but they know that Joseph Smith is a true prophet they begin to look for other prophets or for other people who will teach them. And so you have these mainstream uh, counterfeit prophets who come forth and they begin to teach. One of them is a lawyer, which I think is really interesting. Uh, Basically, the devil's picking out of his own pot for that one. 
Uh, but then the other one is a, uh, well, the other main one. There's a lot of them, though, but there's a couple of main ones. Um, there's a 50-year-old man who's never been married. Uh, he's a narcissist, and but he's very intelligent. In fact, he is the way I would consider if Lucifer, Satan, could come on the earth, he wouldn't be this demonic devil man. He would be this very, very, like, slick person that knew the scriptures forward and backwards, was very convincing and charming and had great charisma um, to lead the people astray in key points of false doctrine. But still, he would give many things, but there would be perversions that would be the mysteries of God. So there would be a lot of truth that rang in the ears of the people who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the brass, people who are ready to hear the meat of the gospel. But it would it would be perverted just enough to get them off course so that they would not uh, be part of Zion's redemption and be part of the remnant. Um, and so you've got these main leaders and you've got smaller ones and you've got bigger ones that lead these people. But... but um, the ones who teach the truth, they're not always going to be easy to hear. They're going to call you out on some things, and they're going to call these other pre- preachers and these other these other false prophets out on the things that they teach, but the people won't listen to them because it's easier to hear the false prophet than the true ones. And Jeremiah had a problem with that in his day, and the people finally, after the fact, realized that Jeremiah was the true prophet, and these other ones who were all killed, by the way, in the captivity, uh, they were the false ones. But it was too little, too late. And it's the same thing in our time, in our day and age. As as, As Babylon the Great takes more power, and it's getting ready to fall, God is raising up specific prophets of whom I am chief among them. But the people will want to hear these false apostles and these these false prophets, these false Christs, or Christ means anointed ones. Well, what happens when you receive your anointings in the temple? You become an anointed one. When Jesus Christ was talking about all of these false Christs that would come forth in the latter days, he was talking about the falsely anointed ones. Not that they would say that they were Jesus returned, although that does happen, and that has happened and will continue to happen. Um, But that these are the falsely anointed ones with the false priesthood. Those who are Babylonian businessmen who have hijacked the restoration, hijacked the church, and led the people astray. And so we live in perilous times because you have to take these things seriously. You should hear what they have to say and hear what people like myself has to say and study it out for yourself and test Test the the spirit that comes from these individuals and make sure that their testimonies are in alignment with what God has to say about them. If you believe people like Denver Snuffer or Phil Davis are true prophets, 
or true messengers believe it. But ask God if if they are truly sent by him. They can teach all the truth in the world. And you can even have a witness of the spirit of the truth that they teach because the spirit testifies of truth, not the person who is teaching them. But if you believe that that person is a true messenger, the spirit will testify to that truth. And if the spirit withdraws from you, then uh, then you know that they're not who they proclaim to be. Their fruit is not uh, as pure as, as they want you to think it is. But um, I don't know. It's the tangent that I went off on on that. Um, if any man is trying to gain great wealth off of the teachings or gain, gain great power over the people, that's priestcraft. Anyway, let's get back into the reading here. There is a distinction between two true priests and priest crafters. And as obvious as the difference between true and false prophets, Joseph Smith explained, quote, A man of God should be endowed with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in order to teach and lead the people of God. The sectarian priests are blind, and they lead the blind, and they will all fall into the t- to the ditch together. We're on page 130 now. They build with hay, wood, and stubble on the old revelations without the true priesthood or spirit of revelation. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 311. So they don't gain any new revelation. True prophets gain new revelation. False prophets or priest crafters, they cling to what others have said uh, or they contradict former revelation. Now Joseph Smith taught in the Times and Seasons, and I think it was April of 1844, that if any man contradicts the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, Speaking of the Doctrine and Covenants that he had in 1844, if they contradict those things, you set them down as imposters because they are contradicting the Word of God. God doesn't change according to the time that we're in. Truth and principles are still true no matter what age of the world you live in. So if they're contradicting former revelation... They are false prophets. That's why it's such a problem when you have presidents of churches talking about how their revelation is more important. And they call themselves the oracles of God. And it drives me nuts because an oracle, what an oracle is, is the words of God as spoken by a prophet. So when they talk about uh, our words are more important than the dead oracles. Let me tell you something. There are no dead oracles. The word of God is alive. They want to use the word oracle to mean uh, past prophets. That's not what the word even means. The words of God are alive. There are no dead oracles. And if an oracle is given by a prophet, it is to be um, 
taken seriously. But they want to say, uh, don't worry about the dead oracles because you have a living oracle in front of you. What does it take to be a living oracle? It is not a man who is an oracle. The word of God is alive, and the word of God as delivered by the prophet is what an oracle is. There are no dead oracles. If it's important for God in one generation, it is important to God in other generations as well. He doesn't change according to the fickle nature of man. Anyway, continuing on. It would make little difference in the world if he, if the priestcrafters were just going on, are going off their own tangent, but they make many innocent followers along with them. George Teasdale cautioned, quote, The Lord Jesus Christ, when he sent his disciples forth, said, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Then he went on to enumerate the signs that were to follow the believer, so that his disciples might not be deceived, because there are two opposite principles in existence. Whether you find darkness, there is also light, and light and darkness, sweet and bitter, priesthood and priestcraft. If we were in subjection to priestcraft, which is usurped authority, we would be deceived. And that is from Collier's Discourses, 1893, Volume 3, page 251 and 252. Now, Ogden and I disagree with some things. I believe that Brigham Young usurped authority that he did not have. Now, I do believe that there were leaders who were inspired to do things, and I do believe that the LDS Church has done a great deal of good in spreading the second witness of Jesus Christ or the Book of Mormon or the Stick of Ephraim so that the people could be taught. But when Joseph Smith, or when Brigham Young stated that he received the fullness of the priesthood, in the Red Rick store, even though the fullness of the priesthood had not been restored, because the temple had never been restored, and the Father never came to restore anything in that temple, uh, he was usurping authority that did not belong to him. But everybody who tried to, to usurp authority that did not belong to him that came out of Nauvoo, they're all false. That the Strangites and everyone else, the Rigdonites and the Bickertonites and all of them. Jesus said, if you don't do these things here in Nauvoo, building this temple where the Father can come restore the fullness of the priesthood, you will be rejected as a church. And guess what? They were all rejected. So every single branch of the church that came after the, the rejection of the church in 1844 is a false priesthood or a false authority, maybe not a false priesthood, because I believe the priesthood went on, but that it was, it was dead because the church was dead. 
in Matthew chapter 24 when it talks about the, the eagles gathering where the carcass is, the carcass is a picture of the dead church. And the elect of God or the eagles of God are feeding on the meat of the dead church. And Jesus Christ said, all they who hinder this work, speaking of building the temple in the Nauvoo, where the Father could come restore the fullness of the priesthood that he had taken away from the world, would be cursed to the third and fourth generation. That is between 120 to 160 years after 1843. Because in 1843, Lyman White, according to what's recorded by the Community of Christ or the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Joseph Smith said in 1843 that the church had been rejected with their dead. He said, we are in a poor, a poor, miserable state. Now, that doesn't work out for the Brighamites who want to say nothing's wrong, so they get rid of that history and they try to hide it, but it's still in the RLDS, the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it's just amazing that they don't try to hide it because they try to claim authority as well, which is sad. But continuing on, priestcraft, including men who pretend to be prophets, priests, and servants of God when they are not, is just one of the most perilous areas of deception. If a person deceives us out of a few dollars, it is not very serious. But when it reaches the point of losing a job, a house, a friend, or a position, it becomes much more critical. And when the church becomes a cult because they are not following the precepts of God and they're trying to do this prophet worship and make the, the president of the church into their idol, into their God, there's huge problems that come along with that. And people are seeing that in the ma mainstream uh, church these days. And if you're not seeing it, it's because you're not paying close enough attention because it's getting bad. Anyway, continuing on. If a person deceives us to the point where we lose a close relationship with the true God, it may be an injury that has eternal implications and could greatly affect one's personal salvation. No matter what closeness we may have with the Lord, it can be stripped from us in an instant. Just as Delilah deceived and destroyed the great strength of Samson, see Judges chapter 16, verses 4 through 20, thus we need to constantly be on guard and pray daily for the gift of discernment in our lives. We're on page 131. Among, among all the frauds and imitators and counterfeiters that exist in nearly every profession in, of our society, priestcrafters are among the most convincing deceivers of them all because of their position of trust, and they can be the most dangerous because they can affect people's eternal salvation. We're on page 132. And I'm looking forward, and actually the next break between section, or between page 
132, which talks about priest crafters in the Old Testament, is uh, 10 pages, which is uh, ends on page 142 with Christ and the priest crafters. And we're going to keep that its, uh, its own separate program. So um, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter one today. Um, the guest lines are now open. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. And the chat room is, uh, you can find that for questions and comments, as well as just talking with other people, if, if there's people there, um, at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentallymormon. Um, I will post the links for these programs in on my Facebook wall and also on my page, Messiah Ben Joseph, uh, the Church of the Living Messiah, Zion's Redemption Radio Network. You should follow that page. Uh, I try to post there uh, whenever I have a new program that comes out, but I post on a bunch of different places. Um, and in the group, LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, that's my main uh, flagship group. I think there's over 5,000 people in that group. So I'll post there as well. Um, and you can find the links to just click on it and to find the chat rooms easily that way. Um, if you do call in, like I said, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. Just be sure to push one so that I know that you have a question or a comment because we have people who call in just to listen to the program on their phones and that's fine. People can do that if they want. But if they have a question or comment, push one and it'll raise your hand on the studio and I'll be able to see that you have a question or a comment. And when you come on, just give me your first name and where you're calling from and what country you're calling from what city and country you're calling from, uh, or quote city that people would know anyway. But um, don't give me your last names because it's going to go out live. Um, And this will be in a podcast, so I don't want people's people's last names. Just tell me your first name and where you're calling from. And then um, the phone lines are now open, so thank you for listening for everyone. Um, This program will be going out on Friday evening between 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. So right now it should be about 6.45-ish uh, at night. Um, so Shabbat Shalom, everyone. And uh, anyway, I hope that... Uh, If you're listening to this later, that this has been beneficial to you. And if it has, please like and share these things. Um, Comment on my my iTunes um, podcast, Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Uh, It it really does help. So anyway, yeah, phone lines are open. Thank you everyone for listening. Here we go. Wow, it's pretty close. It's 643, 642 when I said 645. <laughs> <laughs> I got bronchitis still.
went to the hospital four days ago, and I'm on a bunch of different medications for it. Makes it hard to breathe. Makes it kind of hard to talk. But we're going to try to share some things tonight. I do the uh, the reading beforehand and uh, make it so that we can have the open open phone lines so that uh, people can call in to talk about whatever it is that they want to talk about and uh, we don't have anybody in the chat room and nobody on the the uh, studio saw the stream. All right, I found this in my notes. Your ordination is not full and complete till God has laid his hands upon you. We require as much to qualify us as did those who gave, who have gone before us. God is the same yet is the same. If the Savior in former days laid his hands upon his disciples, why not in the Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 2, page 196? And I believe it was Oliver Caldry that said that, or Joseph Smith, I'm not sure. It doesn't give me a, a thing here, but that's recorded in Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 2, page 196. None of the so-called apostles had this happened to them from the days of Joseph and Joseph until current times. Why not? Well, it's because of this. Doctrine and Covenants section 124 verse 32, but behold at the end of this of this appointment, your baptisms for your dead shall not be acceptable unto me, and if you do not these things, at the end of the appointment ye shall be rejected as a church with your dead, saith the Lord your God. What were they supposed to do? Jesus said in DNC section 124, verses 27 and 28, Build a house to my name, for the most high to dwell therein. For there is not a place found on earth that he, that's not Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to Joseph Smith, all right? For he, the Father, may come to and restore again that which was lost unto you, or which he the Father hath taken away even the fullness of the priesthood. Build the house of Jesus' name whereby the Most High, or the Father, can come restore the fullness of the priesthood to the earth. Jesus here is speaking of the Father as the Most High, not himself. He is speaking to the of the Most High in the third person. The fullness of the priesthood required a personal visit from the Father as it did in former times. But for Zion's redemption, the Father desired to give it, give that fullness to all of his righteous children, and that would have required a temple where he could personally come dwell in it and give it to the people. Did not happen. Joseph Smith said all the prophets had the Melchizedek, whoever had the Melchizedek priesthood were ordained by God himself, and he was talking about the fullness of the priesthood. And that's in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 183. The Father is the only one who could restore the fullness of the Melchizedek priesthood to man. No man could, no man could see the Father or abide in his pre, uh, personal presence until he has first had the beginning of the first order of the Melchizedek priesthood given to him. And that's the order that um, when when an angel gives it to somebody on the earth, 
and then they go about the mortal man giving it to other mortals, mortals, that's the first order of the Melchizedek priesthood. You have to have that in order to come into the physical presence of the Father for him to restore anything to you. Other, if it's not the, if you don't have it, then you may see him in a vision or a dream, but you will not see him in, in, in the flesh, in person. And you certainly will not have the ability to come into his presence for him to give you anything at all. So um, some falsely believe that the, the church had the Melchizedek priesthood fully taken away from the church because they do not understand what the fullness is. And the past individual prophets had the father way himself lay his physical hands upon the individual prophets to give them the fullness of the priesthood. In January of 1841, the father sent Jesus to instruct Joseph Smith to, to have a temple built where he, the, the most high father, could come to the fullness of the priesthood to the world because he had not yet restored that fullness to the earth and it was required for Zion's redemption. See, a lot of people think that the fullness is just the Melchizedek priesthood and that, that Joseph Smith had it taken away. Or they wiggle around and they try to say, well, Joseph Smith still had it, but he couldn't give it to anybody. This make up stories. That's not what the fullness of the priesthood is. They had never received the fullness of the priesthood. And even if they had received the fullness of the priesthood, Man cannot give it to somebody else. Only God can give the fullness of the priesthood to man. That's how it works. The other way, it doesn't. It doesn't work. It's that's not even it. Anyway, he had not restored that fullness to the earth, and it was required for Zion's redemption. Unfortunately, that temple was never finished. The Father himself never came to that temple. Neither did Jesus or any angel. The glory of God never rested on that temple like it did the Kirtland Temple because it was not accepted. For three and a half years after the revelation known as Section 124, given on January 18, 1841, from the saints on June 27, 1844, he was the the light or candlestick given to lay the foundation for Zion's redemption. But as Jesus said in chapter 2 of the book of Revelations, verse 5, Remember therefore, from henceforth thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of this place, except for thou repent. Well, for our dispensation, the beginning of our dispensation, Joseph Smith was our candlestick. Joseph Smith was that candlestick, but he was taken away because of the sloth and the disobedience of the saints of his day. Jesus said this in section 124, verse 45, And if if my people will hearken unto my voice and unto the voice of my servants, whom I have appointed to lead my people, behold, verily I say unto you, they shall not be moved out of their place. So in other words, if they were obedient, he would fight their battles for them and they would not be removed from their place, which was Nauvoo, Illinois. If they were removed and they suffered greatly as they went into the wilderness, 
Jesus did not fight their battles for them as as he had promised, and he would do, he uh, if he didn't fight their battles for them if they, if they were if they were obedient he would have they would not have been removed from their place but they were removed from their place it's evident it's plain to see. Jesus said, said, then said this, continuing on in section 124, verses 47 through 48. And if they will not hearken to my voice, nor unto the voice of these men whom I have appointed, they shall not be blessed, because they pollute mine holy grounds, and mine holy ordinances, and charters, and my holy words which I give unto them. And it shall come to pass that if you do not, if you do build a house unto my name, and do not do the things which I say, I will not perform the oath which I make unto you, neither fulfill the promises which you expect at my hands, saith Even if they did finish the temple, which they never did, but even if they did, if they're not going to be obedient to God, He's not going to bless them. Verse forty-eight. Set of blessings. Ye by your own works bring cursings, wrath, indignation, and judgments upon your own heads by your own follies and by your abominations which you practice before me, saith the Lord. And they were cursed, just as excuse me, just as Jesus said that said that they would be. Let's see here. Doctrine and Covenant section 124, verse 32. If you do not these things at the end of the appointment, ye shall be rejected as a church with your dead, saith the Lord your God. If they had been obedient to Jesus, Jesus promised this. Starting in verse 38, going to, uh, through to 41. 38, 124, verse 38. And those ordinances might be revealed, which had been hid from before the foundation, or from before the world was. Therefore, we're in verse 39. Therefore, verily I say unto you, that your anointings and your washings and your baptisms for your dead and your solemn assemblies and your memorials for your sacrifices by the sons of Levi. Okay, we don't have sacrifices for our memorials from the sons of Levi because that part had not been restored. That would have been restored in the temple if it had been built properly. And for your oracles in your most holy places wherein ye shall receive conversations. Okay, now the oracles, Brigham Young and understand oracles means the prophets, but it doesn't. It means the words of God is given to the prophets from God. That's what an oracle is. A revelation given to Joseph Smith to share with us is an oracle, not Joseph Smith himself. Okay, let's see here. And here's to new judgments. For the beginning of the revelations and the foundation of Zion and for the glory, honor, and endowment of all for municipals are ordained by the ordinances of, of my holy house, which my people are always commanded to build 
unto my holy name. So we were going to be endowed with power and we would begin to receive the revelations for Zion's redemption, but that never happened. There were not a whole lot of revelations given after the rejection of the temple because the temple was rejected. If they would have been obedient, God would have fought their battles for them. They would not have been removed from their place. They would have been given endowments of power, not this other thing that Brigham Young made up out of whole cloth. Sorry, it's just a play. They had to have something. So they made something. They made something. The endowment of power was where God laid his hand on his people's heads and gave them the fullness of the priesthood, where they would have priesthood power. But that never happened. Right here, it says that the beginning of their uh, revelations for Zion's redemption talks about that. It never happened either. Because the church had been rejected, because they they okay my wife has just come home who I've not seen for days and days and days but like I said I'm in bed I'm sick I've been sick for a week I've got bronchitis. So she went to her friend's house. Anyway, um, let's see here. Sorry, the the phone just disconnected for some reason. Uh, the guest call in number is nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven. That's nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven. If you do call in, push one and I'll know that you have a question or comment for me. Anyway, continuing on with verse 40. And verily I say unto you, let this house be built unto my name, who is that? Jesus' name, that I may reveal mine ordinances. And it was never built. Verse 40. For I deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world, things which pertain to the world of times. Now, what can you tell me was revealed after after the temple was built that was that wasn't known before the time of the the building of the temple I mean, we do have some things that Joseph Smith talked about that he kind of revealed. And maybe the King Full of Discourse and the lecture at the Grove, but like what was revealed? Nothing. And the reason why is because they were disobedient. They did not do as he said. They treated his words lightly, just as you treat my words lightly. 
came upon them just as it's going to come upon you. In these verses, we are promised many things forth in the Nauvoo Temple, that in that place, God would begin to reveal things according to verse 39. Read it again. Or Therefore, verily I say unto you, that your anointings and your washings and your baptisms for your dead and your solemn assemblies and your memorials for your sacrifices by the sons of Levi and for your oracles in holy places wherein you receive conversations and your statutes and your judgments for the beginning of the revelations and the foundation of Zion and for the glory, honor, and endowment of her municipal our her municipals are ordained by the ordinances of my ordinance of my holy house, which my people are always commanded to build unto my holy name. He would reveal the memorials for the sacrifices by the sons of Levi, but that never happened. And he would give his oracles. The oracles are the words of God, not the prophets he gives his words to, but the words of God as delivered to the prophets to deliver to us. In the most holy places wherein you receive conversations and your statutes and judgments and the beginning of the revelations for the foundation of Zion. But those many revelations which would have been given to the saints in the, in the Nauvoo Temple all but ceased after the church was rejected and removed from Nauvoo. In fact, very few revelations were ever given after these instructions were given in January of 1841. In the time between January 1841 and the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram Smith in June of 1844, the Nauvoo Temple was not complete. The walls were only complete to the second floor. The absence of any date for sufficient time is spoken of in the temple leaves that an open question. Traditionally, we believe that extended until sometime following the departure of the saints in 18, uh, February of 1846. A small group remained behind, and eventually the temple was dedicated, but these are the undisputed facts. Number one, when the endowments were performed between November of 1845 and February of 1846, the attic was used, but it was but even it was not finished. Canvas was used to separate different areas. Number two, at the, at the time the endowments were performed, the rest of the temple was in, incomplete. Number three, when the endowments were performed, the attic was the only place temporarily dedicated for that limited purpose. Number four, the day before departing Nauvoo, the apostles prayed that they would be able to finish the incomplete temple, but they never returned. Number five, the next day the attic caught fire and the area used for the endowments was badly damaged, although it was subsequently 
subsequently reshingled the charred attic space, which had not been finished before the endowments were performed, was never refinished to the condition it was in the canvas with the canvas dividers. They re-roofed the outside top and left the charred interior alone. Number six, when it was finally dedicated, it was only considered complete enough to dedicate and not actually a finished structure. Does not matter which historical source you use. There is no diary, journal, letter, or talk which says that Christ came to the Nauvoo Temple or the Father for that, that fact or any angels either, to restore again the fullness of the priesthood which had been previously taken away from the church. I see, I don't believe that. It wasn't previously taken away from the church. It was not restored. The fullness of the priesthood was never restored because it required a place for the Father to come to and restore it to the earth. And in order to come into the presence of the Father, you have to have the first order of the Melchizedek priesthood, which is given from either an angel, a resurrected angel, to mankind on earth, or from man to man, or man to son, or something like that. Most importantly, there are no claims made by any leaders of the church that the fullness of the priesthood was bestowed upon them by Christ in the Nauvoo Temple. There are multiple explanations of how the keys, which were which the typical LDS apologist claims to be the same as the fullness, are passed on to church leaders. None of these involve Christ coming to the Nauvoo Temple or the Father or any angel thereof. To restore again that which was lost, these accounts are of passing the keys to the apostles include the, follow, the following. Number one, by virtue of the apostleship, which is the highest office in the church, the keys are automatically a pass, but you can't find that in Scripture. That's not how it's done. By the rituals, number two, by the rituals Joseph performed in the red brick store. So that's how Brigham Young claimed to get them. Joseph gave them to me in the red brick store, but the uh, the Revelation 124 says the Father has to come restore that fullness in in the temple, and that never happened. So how in the world could Joseph have the have the fullness to give to anybody in the red brick store? Jesus said that the Father had to come to the temple to restore the fullness of the priesthood. He never said anything about giving the fullness of the priesthood in an unfinished temple to Joseph Smith so that he could give it to other people. See, Brigham Young and these others were liars. They had to make up something, so they made up something, and people took a hook, line, and sinker. By Joseph's declaration about the keys of the kingdom made in a meeting in the Council of Fifty, on, in May of 1844, number four, by reason of the equivalencies, the 12 equal in authority to the first presidency set out in DNC section 107, 
an argument that was never raised during the election of 1844. Never has there been a claim that the fullness was restored to the church by the visit of Christ or the Father or the Most High in the Nauvoo Temple after it had been completed or before that. Because in order for Brigham Young to receive the fullness of the priesthood in the red brick store by Joseph Smith, when the temple hadn't even finished being completed to the second story, it just doesn't work. Brigham Young never received the fullness, but neither did any of the rest of them. Neither did Joseph Smith, for that matter. Because in order to receive the fullness, you have to have a temple or a high mountain that God takes you to, and he restores it personally to you in the flesh. That's how I received the fullness of the priesthood in 2003. I already had been given the Melchizedek priesthood. I was taken up in the flesh to the temple of God to to a place called Mount Vashel, which means uh, beautiful God in Hebrew, to the temple of God, and I I knelt under uh, I knelt before the Father and received His hands upon my head to give me the fullness of the priesthood. But here, the Father desired to receive or to extend the fullness of the priesthood to the saints for Zion's redemption, so a temple needed to be built. But it never was built. It never was built. So they had to come up with a story about the endowment of power, which is not some Masonic play, but it is uh, it's the endowment of power. It's, it's, exactly, it's to be endowed with the power of God in the fullness of the priesthood. But that never happened. The revelations pertaining to the redemption of Zion that are promised here in, in uh, 124 verse 39, that never happened. They had to make up excuses because they didn't want to go along with what Joseph Smith said, as recorded by Lyman White in 1843, that the church had been rejected with their dead, which is exactly what Jesus Christ said would happen. You have to awaken awaken to your awful situation if you're going to be part of Zion's redemption and part of the setting in order. If you continue to go on in your ignorance, believing the things that you've been taught by Brigham Young and those who will go along with that, you'll never be part of the setting in order. But that's more a you problem than a me problem. (laughs) Never has there been a claim that the fullness was restored to the church by the visit of the father or the son in the Nauvoo temple after it had been completed. The argument that the Lord didn't need to come because the fullness was dispensed by the apostles in Nauvoo, the Nauvoo Endowment in 
November of 1845 through February of 1846 ignores the language of the revelation. The language of the revelation required the Lord to come and restore again that which was lost. It actually required the Father, the Most High, where he, not Jesus, could come and restore that which is lost unto you. For there is not a place found on the earth that he, the Father, may come to and restore again that which was lost unto you. See DNC section 124 verse 28. I take these words at their plain meaning. Therefore, I view the complete absence of any record or claim that the Lord or the Father came to the Nauvoo Temple and restored again the fullness of the priesthood as an important point to be accepted. The traditional narrative is that the endowments were sufficient to restore the removed fullness of the saints, but the endowment was never the fullness. To be endowed with the fullness of the priesthood meant that you were given the fullness of the priesthood, where you could do the things which Enoch and Elisha and Moses and, and others did. They were able to command the elements and do all the things for Zion to be redeemed, because that's what is necessary for Zion's redemption. When it talks about two chasing, ten, uh, putting 10,000 to flight, those two have the fullness of the priest, so they can't be killed. History also reflects the saints were chased out of Nauvoo by an armed mob. They left with such considerable hardship in the dead of winter, leaving for the most February of 1846. The January 1841 revelation states, ye shall build the required temple on the place where ye have contemplated building it. For that is the spot which I have chosen for you to build the temple which which the Father was to visit to restore again the fullness of the priesthood. If you labor with all your might, I will consecrate that spot that it shall be made holy and my people will hearken unto my voice and unto the voice of my servants whom I have appointed to lead my people. Behold, verily I say unto you, they shall not be moved out of their place, but if they will not hearken unto my voice, nor unto the voice of these men whom I have appointed, they shall not be blessed because they pollute my holy ground and my holy ordinances and charters and my holy words which I give unto them, and it shall come to pass that if you that if you build a house unto my name and do not do the things that I say, I will not perform the oath which I make unto you. Neither fulfill the promises which ye expect of my hand, saith the Lord. For instead of blessings, ye by your own works bring cursings, wrath, indignation, and judgments upon your own head by your own follies and by your abominations which you practice before me, saith the Lord. Doctrine and Covenant section 124 verses 43 to 48. If you accept these words as a guide to knowing the truth, then answer for yourselves the following questions about what happened. 
was the Nauvoo Temple consecrated by the Father or by the Son, or was there ever any angel or any visitation at all to the Nauvoo Temple? Was the Nauvoo Temple made holy by a visitation from the Father or the Son or any angel? Was there any visit of heavenly messengers? <laughs> Did the Father restore the fullness of the uh, the priesthood to the church with within it within that temple by coming to bestow it again? How and to whom or when and what was involved? It didn't happen. Did the saints hearken to the voices of their leaders, Hiram, or Joseph and Hiram, who had been called by the Lord? Why did Joseph complain that the church failed to listen to Hiram? Was there some greater risk to the church if it did not hearken to Hiram? Were the saints moved out of Nauvoo? Yeah, they were. Didn't Jesus say that he would uh, protect them and fight, uh, that they would not be removed? Yeah, he did. But but they were removed, which means, what does that mean to you? Like, if you do what I say, you will not be removed from your place. Were the saints moved out of Nauvoo? Did the sufficient time beginning in January of 1841 last until a until a day we can now deduce well I'll tell you what Joseph Smith said in January or no in uh, I think it was in June of 1843 the church has been rejected but that revelation was given January 18th 1841 three and a half years later which is significant the prophet and the patriarch of the church were murdered and taken from the church three and a half years later. Hold on. Kim yeah. Kim is saying goodbye to me, which is all she does lately. She went to a conference last week, and then she came home for one day, and then she left again because she had to go do some stuff for days and days on end. So it's the first time I've seen her. Of course, I've been sick the whole time. I was sick before she left. Do I have three minutes? Uh, I'm not going to go dead air for three minutes. Did you want to say something? Thank and I'm bringing all the kids to and she's not medicated. She knows she's aware. She's trying. Okay. I'm giving her your seat. She's not sleeping. Not working. Okay. So she's the only one who's going to be here. She knows who's going to make her aware. Okay. Are you taking the van then? No. Okay. Excuse me. Okay. Okay. I guess. I have to go to work tonight even though I'm sick because we need money and this is a very bad situation. Anyway, if I lay on my back, the um, 
the phlegm stays put. And as long as I use that inhaler thing, I can breathe. But as soon as I stand up or sit up, I'm about pass out coughing. Yeah. You forgot? Anyway, okay, Kim's just doing her thing. Anyway, why did Joseph complain that the church failed to listen to Hiram? Let's see here. Did the sufficient time beginning in January of 1841 and last until a day we uh, can we can now deduce what date did the Lord take Joseph and Hiram from us? It was three and a half years later. Was three and a half years sufficient to complete the Navi Temple construction? Were there other projects completed in that time frame, including houses for church leaders, the 70s Hall and the Masonic Lodge? Yeah, actually there was. And Brigham Young had the Second, he was working on the second wing of his mansion. The efforts given to these other building projects had been spent on the completing of the Nauvoo Temple. Could it have been finished earlier? Could it have been completed by June of 1844? Was the Nauvoo Temple ever completed? Were there any blessings or cursings suffered by the saints immediately following the three and a half years between January of 1841 and June of 1844. The effort to build the traditional narrative taught by the LDS Church using other source materials than I have used can only persuade me if I am in error. If there is proof that the Lord came to the Nauvoo Temple, which is never claimed by anyone. And see, Denver Snuffer wrote this part. That's where I'm getting this from. He wants you to believe that it's the father because he wants you to believe it's the son that had to come to restore it because he's a Judas goat. Same as Phil Davis, same as others who claim that the, that the, the, the Melchizedek priesthood was taken away and Jesus Christ never came to restore it. Jesus is the one speaking to Joseph Smith. He's speaking of the father in person where he can come and restore not where I can come and restore I don't know why people get this this kick about Jesus coming Jesus is telling Joseph Smith to do these things build this temple do these things and he says why in 27 and 28 because the father he the most high third person not Jesus People like Denver Snuffer and, and Phil Davis are Judas goats. They don't teach you a lot of true things, but on key points of doctrine, they are leading you astray intentionally because they are not sent by God. They are not sent by God at all. But nevertheless, there is no evidence, proof, here say anything that the father or the son ever came to Nauvoo or to that temple. There is no proof that the fullness of the priesthood was ever restored. 
there is proof that the Saints were were moved out of their place, which Jesus said would not happen if they were obedient, that the saints were cursed and did suffer wrath and judgments of God poured down upon the heads of the of the Latter-day Saints in Nauvoo. The evidence that the great cursings came upon uh, the Brighamites as they went into the wilderness is apparent by anybody who reads church history. There's no source that you can appeal to that conforms to the prophesied events as well as the story proposed by the LDS church. Anyway, continuing on, I think we'll just be done with that. See, when I um, when I get done with the thing, the uh, the recorded portion of the program, I just go and look at my notes on my iPhone to see if there's anything that I can read. I don't even prepare this stuff. <sighs> the saints themselves hindered the work. Oh, well, let's see here. All right, here. I said, in compiling this, I found that Denver Sneffer claims to be the second witness of the Father. God the Father has told me, Mark Walter, that I am the second witness and apostle of the Father. That's why I've seen them face to face in the flesh. And that all who will not accept me as his witness will not be accepted by the first witness and apostle of the Father, which is Jesus Christ, and that he, the Father, will not accept they who reject me as well. Joseph Smith taught that when God raised up a prophet, Satan would also raise up a prophet, and that that prophet will be so very close to to the genuine prophet that even the the very elect of, of God may be deceived. In section 124, Jesus says this in verse 50, And I will visit upon the heads of those who hinder my work under the third and fourth generation, so long as they repent not and hate me, saith the Lord. And it basically says he will curse them. The saints themselves hindered the work in building the temple as they dragged their feet and stole the wood from building the temple to build other structures, included but not limited to the second wing of Brigham Young's mansion and the Masonic Temple and the 70s Hall. When Jesus said that he would curse them to the third and fourth generation, I turned to, I turned to the, that generation that followed Moses in the wilderness for 40 years as a generation, because 40 years was a generation according to Jehovah, meaning all they who hindered this work, a.k.a., also known as the saints, would be cursed to between three to four generations, which was 120 to 160 years. The curse would be lifted in that time in 159 years after the death of Joseph Smith and 160 years after Joseph had proclaimed that the church had been rejected with their dead. 
in the spring of 2003, I stood in the presence of the Father and the Son, and I embraced them both in the flesh, and knelt before the Father, and he placed his hands upon my head and gave me the fullness of the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom and the priesthood. Anyway, So, anyway, we don't have anybody on the line, and I don't really want to get into too much of the rest of this, so I'm just going to cut it sharp tonight. I hope everybody has a wonderful Sabbath, and uh, I think I'm just going to go to work tonight, because I'm tired of laying here in bed. And uh, hopefully I'll pass out. So anyway, um, I don't know if I'm going to be doing these programs. I don't know how things are going to work out. I mean, this is the third week that I've been doing these programs consistently at the same time every day. Nobody listens. So (sighs) I don't know how in the world I ever got fifth place out of 25. Well, I was actually... Uh, the top 25, I got fifth place. Um, of th- there's thousands of Mormon-themed podcasts. So maybe it's because I actually contribute something worth knowing. But I don't know. Maybe I don't. Maybe nobody cares. I don't know. It's definitely not because of popularity. Anyway, all right, well. I think we'll be done for tonight. I hope that uh, I hope it gave you something to think about anyway. And uh, I hope that I wish that you would repent. But I don't think that's ever going to happen because it's kind of like Joseph Smith said. When he talked about the great Others that were too wise to be taught. I think people are just too wise to be taught. No matter what I say, it doesn't really matter because um, because I'm, I'm apparently a fool. And all they who will not hear the words of that prophet will be cut off from among the people, and I'm not the one that cuts them off. When I severed the the ordinances of the priesthood back in January, I mean July of 2013, when I asked the Father why he wanted me to do that, using the authority that he gave me, why, why do you want me to do that? He said, Because if they will not accept you as my witness, I will not accept them. This is all part of the setting and order of the house of God, which has nothing to do with the church, the rejected church. That Joseph Smith, or not, I'm sorry, 
Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 24 talks about as being the carcass that the eagles are gathered to. He calls the church in the latter days the carcass because they are dead. Because he knew that they would drag their feet and hinder the work. And he foresaw that the elect of God or the eagles of God would would try to feast on the dead carcass to gather the meat of the gospel. But the meat that you're gathering has already been spoiled. It's not fresh meat. which means it's been perverted. There's so many different ways to look at the Adam-God doctrine, but without revelation, you're never going to have fresh meat from God. And you'll sit there and argue with me because you think you know more than I do. When God's revealed all these things to me personally, And by your pride and your arrogance, you reject these things just as Satan did long ago. I don't know how much longer we have. I hope we have. Actually, I don't care one way or the other. Whether we have one year or ten years, it doesn't matter to me. I can't go anywhere. Like when I came down to this earth, I came down and I hit it hard. It's been a struggle ever since I've been here. But I'm here until it's over. And I can't do anything about that. I just wanted people to uh, be part of Zion's redemption but I I don't know Isaiah 49 talks a lot about the Davidic servant losing his first group of people he's basically his children and God gives the Davidic servant another group of people that will hear him. I don't know who those people are, but I do know who you are. Like, I have hope for some of you, but for the most part, I I just don't know. Because I don't know if, if the first group of people, if there's even a part of that, that, uh, that remains or that comes and does the things that, that they're supposed to do. It's just weird because I've had so many people over the last 10 years and they know that I am who I proclaim to be. Oh, we know you're a prophet. Like, where's your fruit? 
Like I show my fruit, but where's your fruit? If you know that I am who I say I am and you know that I've been telling people where the gathering place is and you know all of these things and you know that I'm a prophet, then why aren't you here? Lip service. It's the same thing that Brigham or that Joseph Smith had to deal with by the people of Palmyra. never-ending lip service. It's what I have to deal with. Never-ending lip service. And you know, if, if you don't want to come, that's fine. Because I really don't want you here to begin with. Like, I'm only doing this because the Father's asked me to do it. It's not because of what I want. I don't want to be a leader. I would rather be left alone. No, any love that I once had for the people, but you can only love so much love somebody for so long before the abuse of those people and the neglect of those people just eats at you to the point where you're like, okay, well, fine. You know what? You do you, I'll do me, and uh, we'll go our separate ways. For 10 years, I've been a voice crying over the internet worldwide, sprinkling the nations with my words. I've had literally hundreds of thousands of downloads and still people, I don't even know what they, where, where they go or what they do. It is the strangest thing to me. But you have somebody who has seen the Father and the Son face to face in your presence who has been shown the mysteries of the kingdom of God, who is able to expound upon the scriptures. And you just ignore him. And you mock him. is being deluded and crazy. And it's sad. Because you reject the light in the darkness that is currently speaking to you. (laughs) 